think that video illustrates how we all felt at the beginning of the week when it was snowing. Longing for spring. Every longing for spring. Sunshine. You know, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to being outside and being too hot. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to. You know, and fishing. We were on the lakes last year at this time. There's ice on the lakes this time. Feel like this longing for spring. Let me ask you another question. And do you feel like they could use a springtime for their soul? Just a, a, a moving away from the cold and the frozen, a renewal. But well, I want you to hear something Jesus said. Now, now just go ahead and close your eyes for a minute. And, and this is Jesus speaking to you. This is from the word of God in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus asked, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Well, then come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. And I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Now, I won't lay anything on you heavy or anything that doesn't fit you. But keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So, we live in a world that is working against this. We, we live in a world that's actually working against our well-being. With, whether you, you talk about the, the rush or the busyness or the pressures or the fears or the anxiety, we, we live in a world that is constantly just driving us and driving us. And one of the things that, that, that we have to constantly be working on is, is getting to this point where we're not just living in just getting by mode. We're not just living on I, I just kind of coping mode. I just got to get through one more day mode. You, you know, you just reach that point where you look at what you're doing and you realize, man, this is just not healthy. And, and then you get to the point where you realize, this is not sustainable. And, and, and how long can I keep doing this? Because here's what I really want you to understand in this series that we're about to talk about with this thing of well-being is that if you are not proactively working on your inner life, your, your personal, spiritual, emotional, soul well-being, well, then you just, you're losing ground because this world is constantly, constantly putting external pressures on you that will cause you to live from the outside in rather than the inside out. This is actually some of what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, there's someone fighting against your soul. Jesus said this, and he said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door to the sheep. And so what's the right way? Where's the the door I'm looking for? Well, it's Jesus. He says, and all who came before me, look at this, are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. He said, I am the door. If anyone enters me, they'll be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief, now look at this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so there's, there's an active plot in this world to, to steal from you, to kill from you, to destroy the best parts of your life. He says, but Jesus said, and this is the good news, is that I came that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. So Jesus wants to give us a life that's more significant, more meaningful than we could ever imagine. Now, he's not talking about a life where there's no stress, where there's no difficulties, where there's no setbacks, where there's no just, boy, life just hits. But what he's describing here is a way of living, a way of learning Jesus in such a way that as we go through life, we just live differently. And, and that, that our life is characterized by, by a life that is full and a life that is abundant. That is to say, 
full of all the right kinds of things. One person described the, the, the Christianity in this way. He says, Christianity is very simply learning Jesus. It's just learning Jesus. It's learning who he is and how he lives and, and how to interact with him every single day. Now, now, what I want to do today is I want to do a lot of laying foundations because we're going to spend the next five weeks talking about this thing of well-being. And I actually think this is going to be really powerful in a lot of people's lives because it's going to teach you a lot about who you are, how God created you. It's going to help something increase that's really important if you want to be a person who experiences well-being. It's going to increase your your self-awareness. But then we're going to learn from the scriptures how we can create a rhythm in our life, a rhythm in our life that develops our inner life. Now, now I want to start, I want to lay down the foundation for that, and, and, and I want to start by kind of doing a little bit of evaluation. And the whole goal here is for us to look inside and really ask ourselves the questions, how am I doing? You know, we ask that question all the time, how are you doing? Well, I want you to look at yourself and just say, how are you doing? Everybody say to themselves, how are you doing? Well, that's a really good question. Let's talk about that. So, so three indications, first of all, three indications that, that you may be in a point where, where you're maybe in a bad place or a coping place or you're in a place where, where, where you're just getting by, a place where you, you have been inattentive to your inner life. Now, the first, uh, first indication is that you might be in a place where your gauges are stuck. The, the Psalm 6 verse 6 describes this. The psalmist says, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. That's just one example from the scripture from the psalm of a person who's just absolutely overwhelmed with life and, and, and just can't seem to just get past emotions getting out of control. Now here's one of the things I don't want you to hear because sometimes Christians do this emotions are not bad. We're going to talk about this deeply in two weeks. In fact, emotions are a big part of what makes life sweet. They're, they're what makes you a human being. And many times we get the idea that what we need to do is deny our emotions or we need to just shame ourselves for feeling whatever we feel or, 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 or we just want to, you know, say, you know, if I was really mature, I'd rise above my emotions. And what we're going to actually see is that emotions are a gift from God. It's actually one of the best ways God will speak to us. But when they get out of control, well, then they can start driving our life in a really unhealthy way. If you kind of think of it as a gauge, your emotional life is a gauge, you, you can look at it like this picture here. So, so I got a picture uh, going up on the screen here. And, and you could imagine your gauges. Now, now, most of the time, if we're in a healthy place, we're in a place where we're living from the inside out, God is in our life, prayer is part of our life, scripture is part of our life, we've got good, healthy relationships, our gauges tend to be about one or two, and so, so we do pretty well. And then we're going through life, and something happens, and our gauge may spike, but it spikes to a three or four. Okay, Or maybe something serious happens and our gauge spikes all the way to the 8. What I'm talking about when our gauges are stuck is I'm talking about when we start living with our gauges at a 6 or 7 or 8 all the time. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? So just imagine that first gauge there being, being there at about an 8. And that's the anxiety and fear gauge. So that is to say that you are afraid, you are amped up, you are full of anxiety just most of the time. And, and you just kind of go uh, through life living afraid. We're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. What fear does in our minds and how it causes us to think differently and act differently. And how much the Bible talks about fear and, and what we can do about our fear. Well, here's the deal. When our fear gauge is stuck at a 7 or 8, something little, something little 
blows it all the way to a 10. And all of a sudden, we're redlined. Uh, the same thing can happen with sadness. Uh, sadness is actually part of life. There are actually times, actually a healthy thing, to go through seasons of melancholy, go through seasons of grief, go through times of, of even regret. God meets us and speaks to us. But when our sadness gets stuck, and it can get stuck for a lot of reasons. It can get stuck because something sad, something difficult happened, something just incredibly painful happened. Sometimes it can happen because we've just been through a sense, an intense season of really good stuff that we're just emotionally kind of wore out. And so our sadness just, 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 you know, uh, a gauge gets stuck. And so we're just minding our own business, you know, watching TV, and all of a sudden a Hallmark commercial comes up, and we're crying. And, and we don't cry. This is not who I am. What's going on with me? All of a sudden I'm just stuck. Or, or the anger thing. I know none of you guys struggle with this anger thing. This might just be about me. But, but suppose you're just at this point where you don't even realize it. But, but you've been through a season where you're extra tired, you've been extra busy, you've had some disappointments, or maybe you've just been under stress and things have gone great, but, but you're going through life kind of angry. You're, you're, you're kind of wore out because some people, when they get tired, they get sad, they withdraw. Some people get angry. And so, and so they're, they're just at that point where there's a lot of stress, and you come home, and, and, and your kids left the crayons on the, on the, on the, on the you know, uh, living room floor. And not since the Holocaust has anything so terrible been done, in your opinion. All of a sudden, you blow up, right? And so here's the deal. Your gauge is stuck. And, and, and then this thing of isolation. Some people, when they go through difficult times, they just want to withdraw. They just want to get away. And, and, and they know it's not healthy. But if you're in that place where all you want to do is escape, the minute you're with people, you want to get away, your gauge is stuck. Well, then you're in a point where just a little bit of pressure is going to cause you to withdraw. A little bit of rejection from someone or a little bit of someone saying something thoughtless is going to just drive you to a place where you start thinking toxically about your relationships. So if you're at a point where your grade is stuck, two weeks we're going to talk deeply about that, but that's an indication that maybe you haven't been spending a lot of time in your inner life. We're going to talk about that. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to give you the key, and then we're going to unpack this again in the messages to come. The key to lowering the levels of our gauges is awareness in prayer. We're going to talk about prayer in ways, I think, deeper and more profound than we've ever done before. And what I want you to get today is just simply this. Prayer, at its most powerful, powerful expression, is spending time with God. Is, is your spirit united with God's spirit. We're going to say so much more about that. Now, now, again, these two things together, an awareness that, you know what, I'm not in a great place. You know what, my gauges are stuck right now. And then bringing prayer to that, that's going to be one of the keys to dealing with that. Now, now the second indication that we may not uh, be in a place of well-being, we're not being in a healthy place, is that my tank is empty. My tank is empty. Listen to Psalm 61, verse 1. The psalmist says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. Listen to this. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I just feel used up. And this happens when just our emotional energy gets depleted. And what this may look like in your life, it looks like in my life, is about 2 o'clock, I'm just done in the day. I got all this work and it's there and I know how to do it, but I'm just kind of looking at the computer screen and say, hmm, Facebook. And just click, no, I don't do that. But that's the thing. Or, or you just want to go home and, and instead of getting up and doing something that'd be healthy and beneficial, you do the Netflix thing or the Hulu thing or whatever your drug of choice is, you know, uh, that, that, that whole thing. And you just find yourself binge watching, even, even watching shows you've watched before 
just over again in just kind of this vegetative state. What happens very often when your tank is empty like this is it comes with anxiety too. You, you start feeling anxious about things out there, but you feel powerless to begin to do anything about it. You, you, you can get to the point where it can get so um, um, deep that you start having an absence of feeling and you're just going through uh, life with, with, with just, I just don't feel anything. It's not even that I feel bad. It's this point we can start trying to cope or to medicate through all the ways we do that, the shopping and the, the drugs and all the other things we're talking about doing. But, but, but if your tank is empty, then, then you might just say, you know what, I'm just tired. And, and if you're tired all the time, there's an emotional energy that can wear out. Here's one of the things you need to understand about life is that emotional energy is something that gets depleted just like physical energy gets depleted. And you may have some physical energy, but emotionally, you may just be really tired. Now, what we're going to see is that the key to replenishing this thing of an empty tank is the principle of Sabbath. Now, I haven't got time to talk about a lot today, but we're going to talk deeply about this. Sabbath is so much more than a day off. So much more than a vacation. And what we're going to talk deeply about is how to work this principle about Sabbath into your daily life, into your weekly routine, and to different seasons in your life. Because as you develop this principle of Sabbath, this principle of spiritual rest, that absolutely changes everything. Now, now the third indication that maybe you're not at a great place, maybe you're experiencing well-being, is that my mind is racing. Consider Psalms 55 one through five. He says, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen around me. Fear and trembling come upon me and horror overwhelms me. So the interesting thing about this psalm, and we don't have time to look at the whole thing, is that if you go back and read earlier parts of the psalms, he's saying things like, well, God, and you're so good. And you're always with me. And you've given blessings. And now he's saying, oh, but death has fallen upon me. And, and trembling and horror overwhelms me. And what's happening is that he's doing something called catastrophizing. And so what's a catastrophizing? It's this thing where we take a little problem and we make it huge. We, we take a, 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 a little struggle and we get so focused on it, so fixated on it, that it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, there's a lot of reasons we catastrophize. Sometimes we catastrophize because a situation we're going in is very similar to a time in our past when we got really hurt. And so anytime we have any experience that looks like it, smells like it, feels like it, seems like it might possibly, maybe, possibly, in any chance, become like that other really painful situation, we go from 1 to 10 right away. We just, in our mind, make it the worst possible situation. And we go into that thing of fight and flight, and, and, and we just get overwhelmed by it. Now, that's one of the reasons we catastrophize. One of the other reasons we catastrophize is because very often what happens uh, in our life is that we've got all kinds of anxiety in our life in other places, and, and we're not either honest to look at it, and that's part of the self-awareness we're going to talk about, or we're feeling like there's nothing we can do about it, and all that anxiety wants to come out. And rather than finding healthy ways to deal with that and to express it and to share it, we park it on this little thing. And we take this little thing and we blow it up into a big thing because there's all this stuff is inside of us. That's a lot of what happens uh, in relationships. I don't know if you've ever had this happen with you, a person before. A person will come at you and they'll be really upset about something that just doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. But for them, it's the biggest deal in the world. Well, very often what's happening is that they're catastrophizing. They're bringing a lot of things 
to that thing. Now, here's the deal. The key to, the key to slowing down our mind, we're going to see, is perspective from God's word. And when God's word begins to start speaking to situations, we start speaking truth to situations has an incredible healing event in our life. Now, now, now here's what we need to understand. Is that when we need to understand, when we start seeing these kinds of behaviors in our life, our gauges are stuck, our mind is racing, our tank is empty, it's time for us to take a step back and just say, okay, what's going on? What happens is that we find that we've been neglecting our inner life. Now, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 talks to us about this. Now, now the, the, the thing, that, again, that we need to understand about this world we live in is that this world is always pressuring us from the outside. It's, it's trying to get us to think that, that what's what important is what I do and when I have to be there. It fills us with the tyranny of the urgent. What the Apostle Paul will say over and over again in the scriptures is that what matters is what's going on on the inside of you. Look what he says in, in 2 Corinthians verse 4. He says, so we do not lose heart. Okay, so there's an indication. Here's how he doesn't lose heart. He says, though our outer self is wasting away. We're getting older. There are things we can't control. There are broken things about this life. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. And so what he's going to show us is the key to living the abundant life, the full life that Christ wants to, 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 to have us live, is not to, for us to ignore the outer life. We'll show you that in a minute. But for us, rather, to live from the inside out, to let the inner life, Show us what's important and what reality actually is. Look at verse 17. He says, For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And so what he wants us to see is that the thing that we think is so big, the thing that's bringing the anxiety, the outer things, the things we can't control, the wasting ways, this is one of the big themes you're going to see in Paul over and over again when he talks about the inner life. All of those are temporary and that they have a greater purpose in God to do something in us. One of the things you'll find out about God is he's more more concerned about doing things in us than doing things through us. In fact, usually he has to do a lot of things in us before he can do much for us or with us. And so this inner life is just so important. Look at verse 18. He says, as we look at the thi- look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. So again, he points to the inner life. For the things that are seen are transient. That is to say, there's temporary. They're not going to last. They're not, they're not forever. But the things that are unseen are eternal. You see, that perspective shifts from, okay, if I'm spending all my time worrying about external things, temporary things, this is where my best energy is, my focus gets, this is where the priority is, but I don't take any time to develop my inner life, well, then I'm investing in something I can't keep anyway, something that's going to change anyway, something that really I don't have much control of anyway, but my inner life, my inner life is something that is going to make an investment for eternity. Now, now to understand this, and again, to lay the groundwork for the next couple of weeks, I want to show you um, just who you are and how you were created as, as a human being. And, and these are the different aspects of your body, your person, uh, the, the person you were created to be. And, it, and I believe what it'll do, it'll help us to figure out exactly, you know, what's going on inside of us so that we can make changes to become uh, um, people who are living the full life. There are three parts of a person. I should say, just for all of you guys who um, are kind of theologically nerds like I am, 
There's some debate about whether there's two parts or three parts. Uh, and if you really want to have that geeky conversation, uh, send me an email. I'd love to do that. But for our purposes, there are three parts, three aspects that the Bible talks about in terms of the human person. The first one is the body, the body. It's the Greek word soma. It's your physical form. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 15 about it. It says, for this perishable body, do you see that perishable? It's going to wear out. It's going to pass away. It's temporary. Must put on the imperishable. Now, what this is telling us is that when Christ returns and he makes all things that the way they're supposed to be, there'll be a resurrection and we'll be given a new physical body. So the message you should not take from this is that your physical body is not important. That's not the message. The message is, is that when you live in the external, then you never get to the internal. But when you live in the internal, it transforms the external. You'll see this in just a minute. He says, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable and the mortal body must put on immortality. And so that's an example of the body. The second part is the soul, the soul. Uh, uh, Look at Mark chapter 8, verse 35. And this is Jesus speaking. Listen to the weight he gives. He says, for what, what, whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses life for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a person if they gave the whole world, you see, external, temporary, what profit a person if they gave the whole world yet forfeit their soul? And what will a person give in exchange for a soul? That's just a good question for you to ask yourself. How is my soul... And what am I trading my soul for? And and we're going to talk more in just a minute about what the soul is. Third part of you is your spirit. Spirit. This is the word uh, pneuma, um, ruah in the Old Testament. And and Romans 8, 16 talks about this. And look what it says about the spirit. It says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to be a huge part of our conversation, actually unites, speaks to our, our, our spirit. And so if we're at a point where we're living externally, we're living um, um, with, uh, on the outside, trying to live on the outside in, and our spirit is crumbling, our spirit is deadened, our spirit is, is not attended to, we should not be surprised if God feels different. Because ultimately, God wants to unite with us most intimately through his spirit uniting with our spirit. Now, I've got a graphic up here that kind of illustrates this. And any picture we draw of this is going to be a little inadequate. But, but this, is, this is a way of thinking about it for our purposes. Now, now if you think about your life and, and how you're living your life, how much time do you spend thinking about the things of, of the external, the body? what I'm going to eat, where I'm going to live, how much money I make, this temporary thing of the body. And then the second question is, how much time do you spend on your soul? Your soul is that part that is you. It's your, your personality. It's who you are. It's who you were uniquely created to be. And the most core part of you is this thing of the spirit. And, and just ask yourself, how much time do I spend um, feeding my spirit, building my spirit? What are the things that make my spirit come alive. Now, now, now in, in our culture, again, the, the, the world is constantly putting pressure for us to live on the external. And what we're going to challenge to do from the scriptures, again, from the word of God, is to rediscover what it means to develop your inner life. Let me just give you an illustration about this. One of the big things we're going to talk about is prayer. And, 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 and we just need to pray, folks. But, but here's the thing. 
You can pray with your body. That can look like raising hands or kneeling or giving words. And hey, that's a good thing to do. And sometimes we need to go through the motions of prayer because that's how it deepens in our life. But you can pray on the level of your body. You can pray on a level of your soul where you're talking about what's on your heart and talking about your prayers and talking about your griefs. I think the Psalms are a lot of, of, of praying on the level of the soul. But hear this now. There is a level of prayer in your spirit that is beyond words, that is beyond uh, uh, time, that, that is a bridge into eternity where God is so close that where he ends and you begin just kind of kind of blur. And, and there's a place of intimacy with God where your spirit is united, as the scriptures say, with the spirit of God, and the spirit of God testifies that you are a child of God. And, and I'll tell you what, when you're in that place where your gauges are stuck and, and, and you're overwhelmed with life and your tank is empty, at those times when you can discover that kind of prayer that no matter what's going on in my body, even what's going on in my soul and my emotions and all that, when my spirit is united with God, it, it just puts everything in perspective. You know, there are times in, in my life where I'm just going through life and, and, and it's busy and it's busy around here and it's crazy and, and I'm all in my, my body. I'm planning, I'm working, I've got the kids and all these kinds of things and, and I can feel my soul getting tired and getting jaded and I can feel my anger gauge click up. I can hear, feel my isolation gauge kick up. I can, I, can, I can feel the sadness gauge and the temptation for me is then to run back to the body and say, okay, well, I'm going to medicate it. I'm going to buy something or eat something or, or I'm going to, you know, uh, you know, drink something or whatever your deal is or my deal is and all these things. But the key is for us at that point to then go in and say, okay, God, what would it look like for me to turn to you and, and just spend time with the spirit of God in such a way that you bring a healing to my soul that puts everything in the body and everything externally in perspective. Now, now there's one more aspect of the human person that I just want to bring up this week because it'll be important here in, in, three, uh, in four weeks, actually. And it's the part of our life between the body and the soul that the body speaks of as the mind. Because the mind in, is, is crucial because so often what we find is the mind is the place where we do our thinking and the place where we do our thinking, our, our feeling. And when that gets off, it's usually because there's a disjunct in the level of the soul. And so between our physical body and between our soul, there's this thing of the mind. We're going to talk deeply about what it looks like to renew our mind as followers of Jesus Christ. Um, this word mind, here's an example in Luke 24, verse 45. It says, then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And one of the things we're going to learn is how to let Jesus interact with our thinking and interact with our emotional life in such a way that, that he opens things up in the most profound ways. This is about our thoughts, our feelings, and, and this other issue in our life called our will. We're going to talk deeply about, about this thing called the will. Because one of the words for mind in the scriptures is cardea. It's very often translated heart. A better understanding, a better translation of that would be the will. The will is where you make your choices. It's where you face temptation. It's where you decide who you're going to be and what you're going to do. And this is all part of the human person. So that, that's, the, that's what we're going to, what's going to be working on. Now, now, in terms of how we're going to do it, there's a path to renewal in the inner life, things that we are going to work on. And I want to give you just a couple 
big picture things that we are then going to unpack in the weeks to come. John 14, verse 15 begins uh, by showing us that it all has to be a relation with God through the Holy Spirit. God has sent the Holy Spirit to cause your spirit to come alive. And you connect with the Holy Spirit on the level of your spirit. Look what it says in verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. So someone who could help you. Anybody could use a helper? I could use a helper. Well, God has sent one. The Spirit of God. And for too many of us, many of us who grew up in in the church, the Spirit of God is almost a stranger. We know nothing about him. We've actually never had a conversation with the Holy Spirit. We've never felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so this will be a potentially life-changing revelation that the person of the Holy Spirit wants a relationship with you. Verse 17, he says, Even the Spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. He says, You know him, for he dwells with you. And what Jesus says, he will be in you. And so Jesus said, I'm going to go up into heaven, but it's okay. I'm going to send the Spirit so much better because the Spirit right now is around you with you in the presence of Jesus. But this new way is going to let the Spirit be in you, and it changes absolutely everything. Some of you are going to challenge to get to know the Holy Spirit. One of the things I'm really excited about, in just in general, is our youth group. There's, a, there's like a revival going on among our youth in just a really cool way on Wednesday nights. But one of the things they do is they break up into small groups. And a couple of the groups are doing a study by a guy named Francis Chan called The Forgotten God, and it's about the Holy Spirit. The fact that when we talk about God, very often we forget this person, the Holy Spirit, and I can't wait for our youth to discover this person of the Holy Spirit. So that's one of the things we're going to talk about, relation with the Holy Spirit. The second thing we're going to learn, we're going to talk about, and this is going to be a bridge into so much of the work we're going to actually do into next year, we're going to talk about time to learn. It's time to learn to use the Scriptures. It's time to use the Word of God in, in, in all its power. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So this book is incredibly powerful for transformation. This book can cause your gauges to go down. This book can cause your tank to be refilled. This book can connect you with the Spirit of God in, in, in such a way that it can absolutely transform. But, but we've got to learn how to use this. I always compare this to to tools. You know, I've got uh, tools in my garage. I don't know why I have tools in my garage. I have tools in my garage that I don't know what their names are. But I got them on a sale, and they were cheap, and I just feel like a man having tools in my garage. I don't know what that's all about. And I have all these tools, and some of you could come over, and you could do amazing things with those tools. You could create things, and you could bless people. You could miter things. I don't even know what that means, but you could do it because you know how to rightly handle those tools. Well, this is a tool. How do you use the Psalms to speak to a troubled heart? How do you use the names of God to recreate a proper perspective about your situation? How how do you read one of the narrative stories about one of the saints of God who went through a difficult time in such a way that it gives you courage to go through your difficult time? See, the Bible says about itself that this is a tool and it has the ability to cut deep into soul and, and divide soul and spirit and to speak to the most profound parts of our life. And, and, and for many of us, we just don't know how to use this book. And so we're going to talk, begin to start talking. We're going to take some baby steps coming into it. Um, and then we're going to 
Check into the deep in the pool. Even going into next year's teaching schedule, you know, we're going to talk deeply about how to use this book in such a way that it refreshes your, your, your inner life. Not just knowledge in our head, but, but an experience of connecting with the Holy Spirit. Now, the third thing is incorporating prayer into your everyday life and your intern, uh, entire life. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. So some people could use some joy. Joy is the opposite of stuck gauges. It's the opposite of living on empty. You know, it's the opposite of, you know, mind racing. It's really hard to have joy when your mind is racing. He says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Let your gentleness, they say. Let your your maturity be known to everyone. He says, because the Lord's at hand. Because you just need to be reminded that. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and then supplication and thanksgiving. So there's different kinds of prayer there. So we have to learn how to pray. One of the best questions the disciples ever asked Jesus is, hey, can you teach us how to pray? And you have to learn how to pray. It says through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. You see that? Your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So the mind that's racing, the heart that is divided, the will that's making bad choices, the, the peace of God. The peace of God that lowers the gauges, that, that, that brings us to a better place, it, it, it changes everything. And so as a community, as a church, we're going to come back to these incredible tools, find this pathway that Christ has given us to well-being. Now, now I recognize I just gave you a ton of stuff. It's kind of the nature of the first message in this series. And so I want to give you some practical steps so that you won't just get all overwhelmed. The, 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 the first thing I want you to do is something kind of, kind of strange, is that if you really resonated with that part of your, your gauges being stuck, or, or your tank being empty, or, 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 or that thing where your mind just can't slow down, what I actually want you to do is I want you to raise the self-awareness. I want you to actually get out a piece of paper and a pencil, get out a journal or a notebook, and just write everything that has happened in the last year. Get it out of your head and get it down on the paper. Some of you say, well, that's a terrifying prospect. <laughs> it's been that kind of year, Paul. I get it. I get it. Okay? And I'm just going to capture it on paper. And, and I'm going to do like a story in the Bible. I'm just going to lay it before God. And, and I'm just going to become aware and just, you know what? I, you know what? This happened with the kids. I mean, this happened financially. Oh, this happened at work. You know what? I forgot this happened. And then show it to someone who knows you went through something, maybe your spouse or your friend or something, and, and say, oh, you forgot this. Oh, my gosh. You haven't, I was, I was exhausting. And, and don't just put bad stuff. You know, put good stuff. You know, we won that championship, but that was so stressful. Or, or we went through this thing or, or that kind of thing. And just put it all down there. Okay? And, and then just recognize that all of those good and those bad and those stress Living life is tiring. It's exhausting. And, and what I want that to do for you is for you to give yourself permission to say, it kind of makes sense that my gauges are stuck. It, it kind of makes sense that my, my tank is empty. It kind of makes sense that my mind is racing. It kind of makes sense that my inner life is depleted. And then what I want you to do is pretend that list isn't your list. Pretend it's the list of somebody else you know and maybe somebody else you love because then you'll be a lot more gracious with yourself. Then all of a sudden you say, oh, I can kind of understand why I'm at. And then once you're done beating yourself up for being where you're at, because I mean, my gauges are stuck and I'm such an idiot for my gauges being stuck, that's another gauge that can get stuck. 
beating self up gauge. I don't know what you'd call that. But you understand what I'm saying. And so if you would just do an inventory, it will help say, and then they just bring it to God and, and maybe share with some folks. Say, this is what's going on. People say, no wonder. You're going, you've been through a lot. And, and then, then let it be a springboard to some of these other things. Maybe that's what you do this week. But the, the second thing is, is I want you to just renew your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the book I mentioned, Forgotten God by Francis Chan, that's actually on our, um, um, our online service that I'm forgetting the name of it now. What's that called again? Right Now Media. Right Now Media. Um, and so uh, I still going to say r- Real Clear Politics. That's not the one you want to go to at all. Okay. Um, right Now Media. Um, Francis Chan teaches that on Right Now Media. You could go and you could learn about the Holy Spirit. Maybe for you, you could do a little evaluation. Just honestly, how much time during the week do I spend in Scripture and prayer? How much time do I actually spend? And I've gotten to the point that I actually quiet myself in Scripture and I quiet myself in prayer. And, and don't beat yourself up. If the answer is not a lot, well, then you've got a step we can start taking. Tell some trusted people what you're doing and ask them to pray for you so you're not isolated. The next thing I'd say is begin to use the Bible and pray. We've written the devotions. And let me just say, um, Laura's written these devotions this week. These devotions this week are just a gift because they're, they're just about just refreshing your soul. It's just a very simple scripture. And then some of our favorite prayers that you can just quietly just read through without any guilt, without any judgment. And just, God, I'm just going to pray through these prayers. And God, I'm going to just let you begin to renew me, particularly if you're at a point that my gauges are really stuck. My gauges are really stuck. And, 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 and as always, I want to just speak to, to maybe you're here and the things I'm saying is, man, you nailed it. I'm so stuck. You know, there's help for you. So, so you could walk out of here after we sing and you could go down to the prayer room and there'd be people who would pray with you tonight and they would listen to you tonight. And you could share just a little bit. You could actually go to jacobswellchurch.church. You go to the care link page under resources. And there's a little click that basically says, like, I need help or I need to talk to someone. And you could click that. You could just send us a little thing. And early part of the week, we'd get a hold of you. And, and, and we could come alongside and, and get you connected. Because maybe you've been through some stuff where, where you're really in a very difficult place. And you really could use some help. Um, even beyond help, you can just do for yourself. But the point is, is that there's a path of healing and, and, and there's a path of well-being that God would call us, um, call us to. You know, um, this thing of, of an inner life won't happen by accident. It won't happen. You're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to push for it. it. It won't happen just wishing for it. A lot of us like the idea of having a healthy spiritual inner life, but unless you're willing to do some of this stuff, and again, it might just start with that inventory, it might just start using the devotion this week, it might just start with a baby step, you're not going to make much progress. And so uh, uh, um, that's what we're going to be working on in the next five weeks. You want to be here, you want to be here next week. Um, Pastor Grant's going to share an incredible message next week. Um, It's just a powerful message about some of his own journey on this stuff. Incredibly powerful. By the way, are you just not incredibly grateful for Pastor Grant? I'm just unbelievably grateful for Pastor Grant. I just, God just overwhelmed my heart with that this week. And so just very, very grateful. I want to pray. And then um, the team's going to come back out and, um, and, and we're going we're gonna to sing this song. Let's pray. Father God, um, thank you. Thank you that you are not the God who is distant. And you don't call us to the external, just routines of empty religion, external stuff. You call us to an inward journey of coming to know you. Father, I would pray that you would do work that only you can do. Holy Spirit, that you would work in ways that only you can work. I would pray, Holy Spirit, that you would teach people 
um, who you are who really have never known you. I would pray, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us how to pray and how to have our spirits united with the Spirit of God. Father, I would pray that you would just teach us how to use your word in such a way that its incredible power and healing and conviction could change who we are and how we live. Holy Spirit, I would just pray that you would teach us to love one another and walk together in this journey. Father God, that we would just be people who deeply invest in our inner life. And so although it wouldn't take away all our problems and our difficulties and even our, our, our struggles in life, but we would go through them in such a different way that they would actually cause us to become more like Christ rather than isolated and alone. Father God, I just pray for each one of us. Help us to deeply invest in our inner life. In Jesus' name, amen.